Welcome to the Then What 3x5 podcast with Then What founder Grant Barth. The goal of this show is simple. We'll invite global creatives, innovators, and business leaders to share their unique perspectives and join us on a journey to find out how industry-leading brands are powering growth by exploring the role and influence of art and culture on their organizations. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Grant Barth, CEO and founder of Then What, and welcome to our podcast uh, for the month of June. We're really excited to uh, have a conversation with uh, with Tony Mindell, um, a really good friend from from LA. Um, we have a lot of friends in common, but we've actually never sat down and had a proper conversation. So this morning is not necessarily uh, about a proper conversation, but it's certainly about a topic and a conversation that we're really um, eager to share our points of view on. So welcome, Tony. Um, I ah. was wondering if you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Thank you for that intro. I love that you call me Tony because I'm so used to going professionally by Anthony and Tony feels so much more casual. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Um, I mean, yes, we we got to talk in Palm Springs like uh, almost a year ago. And um, so I am based in L.A. and uh, I'm I'm a multi hyphenate, I guess. I don't I don't know how to describe myself. I'm a writer, a director, a teacher, an actor, um, a poet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I do do a lot of different things and I have acting schools all over the world. We have 10 schools. Uh, in 10 different cities. And I really am helping not only actors kind of understand the art and technique of acting, but also really helping people understand the, maybe the nature of artistry. And that goes beyond the specifics of acting, but just how to show up authentically in their lives. And as we were saying before we started rolling today, kind of having a strong opinion um, about ourselves in the work and the kind of work we want to do. So that's what I'm about. And I find that it really, a lot of people who study with me aren't just actors. They're people through all walks of life who want to learn to explore themselves a little bit more. And acting is an amazing tool, I think, to help people discover themselves. Now, it's, I love that we're, this is probably one of the most casual conversations that we're going to have on this podcast. And I, I, the, what we really bring to the table are lots of diverse points of view and, and thinking and and what you do and listening to your work is is super inspiring to me. I think, you know, for, for me personally, you know, having been on stage in front of a lot of audiences from a corporate, um, you know, corporate and work perspective. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, tools, I think, that are similar to getting on stage and, and giving a big presentation, you know, for a global brand and acting. So, mm. um, so it's good to hear about like some of those tools from you, but I think to start like we, I, one of our common points that, you know, I've learned is that we're both from the Midwest. We grew up around the same time. Um, our journey has taken us far from our original roots. Uh, but basically, you know, as we were talking even before this call, like how did you create your world, you know, that you live in today? Wow. I mean, you know, I think, 
like for anybody who's listening, it's all trial and error, right? A lot of hits and misses and a lot of failures and mistakes. And I continue to to make them. And I think maybe that's the best reminder for myself as well. I think I've, in the last couple of years, especially, I've, I've really learned to celebrate more and more like it's okay to make mistakes. And that's how I'm learning and growing. And there's nothing that is, um, what's the word? Like that you can't recover from something. And, and I think learning how to be more fluid and flexible in that way makes you, I think when, when, when business owners or artists or creators of some kind are risk averse, that's when we get into trouble because you're, you're scared to take risks. And I don't think growth and creativity comes from not taking risks. So I guess, you know, as a little boy, gay boy growing up in Indiana, you know, a big risk was like, I got to get the heck out of here. And, you know, I just went back home uh, to visit my parents because I hadn't seen them since the pandemic. And, you know, being being in a small town and seeing a lot of things hadn't changed and uh, just that I knew I made the right choice. Like I have, you know, 35 years later, it felt like, oh my God, I was back in high school. It was like back to the future in a way. And so for me, it was about, you know, stepping out into a different world and creating something that I hadn't seen before, you know, in my small town. So that took me to California and then New York and then London and now back to LA. It's interesting. I I, I was going to say, I, I, I was going to say, I feel the same, the same way about, I, you know, I grew up on a farm and had really supportive parents and, and family for anything I did. They were like, just, you know, put yourself out there and, you know, be a leader in the world, whatever that meant. They kind of just gave me the tools to do that. But I love, you know, I, I also, you know, have lived around the world, but going back and, you know, to those roots are still really, you know, kind of regrounding for me in a, in a source of energy that I never expected as I got older, you know, it's mm. kind of like, let's, mm -hmm. let's get far away from it. But then when you go back, it's actually a, a really good source of energy. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Highland, Illinois. So it was. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I know Highland. Highland. Oh, there okay. was a yeah, meet we would do every summer. It was called like the Highland Invitational. And we would drive to Highland, Illinois for it. <laughs> I remember they that. probably yeah. are still having it. Like, you know what I mean? It's probably every summer, this summer. Wow. I mean, I get what you say about grounding. I, I guess, I think as we get older, we, mm, I think everything is circular. So maybe you come back to like your starting point and you see it from, or maybe how, here's how I see it is like, everything has changed and nothing has changed. Do you know what I mean? Not only just, I guess, the, the locale or where we grew up. I, I'm speaking for myself. I also feel like in my own life, like I feel like, oh, wow, I've been on such a transformative journey and being in so many other places. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, I've changed a lot, but I haven't changed. I think that's like sort of the journey of life itself, right? Sometimes maybe we think we've evolved maybe more than we have. And then you go back to your humble beginnings and you realize like, I think all people are the same at that core core aspect of, of being. So it's humbling, right? You yeah. know, I just had a I just had a conversation with my parents about uh, that. My parents are eighty six, and when Howan and I went back, we spent a lot of time with them. And then the last day I was there, 
I, I said, you guys, okay, I want to, I want to talk with you. And I was like, I, I have something to tell you. And I was like, come sit down. I was like, how and I are getting married. Just kidding. <laughs> so it wasn't about us getting married. And they were like, what's happening? And so I just wanted to talk to them about like this final passage and death. Right. Mm -hmm. And not in a morose, morose way, but I really wanted them to know how much they've inspired me and, and, you know, just, I wanted to hear their views on where they're at at 86. And granted, it was crazy because I was crying and so dramatic and like, oh my God. And they, they were so philosophical and practical. They also cracked jokes, not the expense of like, of like trying to deflect such an intense topic, but just, I think being 86 and living through like world war ii in a life they had a you know just it was a much more philosophical approach than i was thinking but i realized too in that moment listening to their i don't know experiences and kind of where they think they're going next on this next phase i was like whoa you can be on this planet for 86 years and we still know nothing you know so my parents have experienced so much and know so much, but at the same time, this is the paradox of life. They, like everybody else who's come before them, myself included when I'm on my journey, nobody knows. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be human? Where are we going? What is it? What does it mean? They don't know. Like we don't have these final answers, which I find to be in many ways really liberating, right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I went off on a like crazy tangent but that's how i roll <laughs> now i love it because i you know kind of getting into this idea of being you know our you know the topic for the title for today's talk is like our authentic queerness and how it's you know kind of shaped our work and careers and and it's interesting being um being older right is what i've learned in the especially in the past year is that perspective um letting go of things and just understanding what we're talking about that like what's what's really important and um yeah maybe things aren't as dramatic as we kind of you know have in our mind and and like you said like no matter what age you are you you just kind of realize you actually don't know um you know you don't have all the answers mm. and and i was i don't know it's just been a really powerful thing for me to kind of you know taking ownership of you know queer as a descriptor you know it's it's really powerful it's got this sense of being an outsider and you know and, and being my younger self i would have never thought that but now like actually taking finally like kind of like taking control of you know some of these descriptors and words um is really empowering i like that i think a lot of what I do and I, what you do is passing on some of my knowledge to the next generation. And that's what really inspires me. Um, but what, what kind of qualities of authentic self do you feel are like unique drivers in your success and how do you define your own queerness? I mean, I think, you know, what you just said made me start thinking about, yeah, like, I guess I always felt like an outlier as well, right? But maybe unlike you, I'd love to hear more about when you started seeing that more as an asset rather than a liability. I mean, I guess for any queer kid, even still today, even though I was, we had dinner last night with some friends and 
my friend, her sister is 14 and she was telling me how like that generation, right? Like this preteen or well, she's a teenager. So that, that uh, demographic now, they're so fluid and open about everything, right? In a way, like, it doesn't matter. Like they don't even, they defy labels. They don't even like have labels, gay, straight, whatever. It's like just people, kids are. And, and I was like, whoa, like that is amazing because it wasn't that way for us obviously our generation i was i was in high school in the 80s so um you know and then in the 90s living in new york as in my early 20s it still very much felt like um i don't know i guess to me so much of my young uh, my early 20s was about my gayness and putting a stamp on the world through my gayness I think now as I've gotten older, I don't really think about my queerness in that way anymore. I just, I happen to be, I happen to love a guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't identify as much through that, through those optics as I used to, I guess, because I always just, I'm just, I'm human. Like I think any gay person or any queer person or any person beyond labels wants to just be accepted and loved for just, oh, I'm gonna totally start crying just for our humanness, right? Like that's really all equality is about is just to see us beyond these labels and these definitions. So don't worry, people, I cry all the time. <laughs> it's a good thing we're just audio and this isn't video because people will be like, why does he have tears in his eyes? But I think that's that's the real walk that we're walking on this planet as, as queer people or, um, so I feel like to me, the the best uh, uh, I think attribute that is I've discovered about being queer is like just my own that outlier aspect because I guess I've always uh, for myself I always felt like um, I was never in the in crowd or I was never you know I was always thought that there were the the people who had everything and I was always on the outside knocking on that door. And again, I think the great irony of life is, is then when you get accepted into the cool club, you're like, wait, is this it? <laughs> this is, this is where I wanted to be with these people. And now I realize like just being an outlier and helping other people in their own, uh, that part of themselves as well to, to embrace, like they don't have to be like the cool kids. They're already cool just being who they are has been a real driving force for me in my work. So I don't know yeah. if I answered specifically your question. Maybe I did. No, I think it's Kinda true. Where I, yeah. It's true. Like we, I think the, the empowering part is that you don't, that you just are and you don't really think about it. You don't really think about labels. Um, you are, but you do work in, in, you know, in Hollywood and you work with teaching actors and, bringing a lot of dreams to life for people. True. So, so do you, so, so, you know, is, is that, is there still challenges as you're teaching oh, yeah. people coming like to accept themselves and oh, like, yeah, yeah. what does Hollywood have, you know, and, you know, as far as like hurdles for a lot of young and up and coming talent? I mean, I think that's a good question. I do think like nowadays I feel like everybody's gay and Hollywood is so gay, but I think if we look at the business side of it, like it's still very difficult you know, we don't often see like the lead in a movie, in a big studio movie, uh, like a franchise movie or uh, yes, they have gay characters now and that's progress. Right. But like 
just having a lead character just be who they are. Who cares? Like that's. I think there are these things are changing, and I certainly when I first started teaching actors like twenty five years ago, or I remember in the early two thousands when I would have gay men more than women gay men would have to hide who they were, right? And I still think that is maybe still something that some people might feel a, a pressure around. I don't know, but but I do remember, Grant, like <clears throat> I would be doing scene work with somebody. I'm thinking, ah, oh, this person is gay, but they're not comfortable in expressing that part of themselves. So they would be locked down emotionally because all the the energy they were giving was, instead of expressing themselves, was instead kind of restraining themselves because this perception that if they let things go, they would be perceived as fill in the blank, right? Gay. And <clears throat> that has changed, but I think it's still really, I think it's a mental thing that, that guys especially have to get over. Um, but I do think like we're seeing so many TV shows with like, I think Euphoria is a really great show that, you know, one of the lead characters is a trans character. And like, we're seeing this more and more where they're just, they, in, they happen to be something other than heterosexual, as opposed to the storyline is about that specific thing, you know? Yeah. How do you, how do you provide advice or teaching for someone to kind of overcome challenges are really being their authentic stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the work that I'm doing with everybody, regardless of, you know, their sexual preference or how they identify um, is really creating a space for people to authentically explore, you know, where they come from and how they want to express and know that it's safe and it's okay. Um, and I think for everybody, like right now, there's a, a, a woman in class who, um, she's part of the BIPOC community and like for her getting to understand that, you know, is creating space for herself in the work, like taking up space and what, what she's learning, what she's helping me learn as well of like, you know, how in culture for her as a woman of color, she's never really been given an opportunity to take up space. Right. And so we start to see these similarities um, through all walks of life where sometimes it's societal, sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's familial, sometimes, you know, it can be in a loving relationship where I've explored a lot of people who've been in really dysfunctional or abusive relationships where these things, this agency was taken away from them. And so trying to find your authentic voice has a lot to do with, as you said earlier, having a point of view as ourselves, which is scary because people have been punished for having a point of view in life. So acting like any art form requires a strong point of view as ourselves. And to get that back, it takes a while. It's very exciting to see people step into that. And I think that's the real work, right? And it's very freeing. And, and yeah, you start to align with your authentic self, which is, you know, I think we use that word a lot. And what does authentic, authentic self mean? And without being all like highfalutin about it, it's just how do you allow yourself to be all of who you are, right? And not just the parts that we want to present, the parts that we like about ourselves the most, but all parts, yeah, I, agree. I think that's hard for people. Yeah, it is hard. I think in the in the in the corporate world, there is still a. You know, I'm I'm a big believer that 
being your authentic self is yes, having a strong point of view, but being able to communicate in a way that has a bit of empathy and understanding for everyone else. Right. Mm. I like your point mm. about not being like, so highfalutin, you know, highfalutin or like on a, you know, on a, uh, on a platform that you're like, my, my point of view is the only way it's more like mm. I have an opinion it's based on my history and experience. Um, I'm really confident about that opinion and they're strong, but I'm also open for discussion, right? It's like, it's a starting point for a lot of discussion. And, and that's where I see a lot of people maybe going, um, going about it wrong is they think that um, their approach or their opinion is, you know, the be all end all and they have to really fight for it. And that doesn't mean you have, you don't have to stick up for your, um, you know, your values, but I'm a big believer that it's good to always listen and learn at the same time. I think Grant, you know, something that like speaks to me based on what you're saying there is I think in the corporate world and listen, I've never had a corporate job. Like I'm, um, the CEO, I would, I don't even call myself the CEO of my own company. I just have my own company, which evolved out of six students, you know, in my living room, I would teach six students like 25 years ago. And then it turned into my studios. But I think it's fascinating in the corporate world. I think all human beings at some level play a role. And it's ironic because I'm teaching act actors as well. We're all actors at some level, right? And I think what we're trying to do is stop feeling like we have to step into and put on this thin, sometimes it's a thinner or thicker layer of this facade of something. And I think in the corporate world, that's changing. But because the corporate world is so based on, you know, stockholders, the board, capitalism, right? Like, like so much of it is stepping into a performative thing of like having to, I'm now playing the, this role as the CEO or as this, I think it's, it's not, it doesn't often allow people to be as human as, as they can be because the corporate world has rules around our own humanity. And I'm not an expert in that world because I don't dwell in it, but I, mm -hmm. I, I know these are, are real, um, restraints of people like that's not appropriate at work and i get it i'm not saying it at work should be a free-for-all because it's work but it's also like why why can't it be an exchange of of i don't know exciting ideas and our humanness and that's that's what creates product anyway ingenuity and creativity and humanness and relatability right so it's so fascinating how uh the corporate world is so corporate <laughs> Yeah. And you know, what you were saying earlier, Grant, about like, Howen always thinks I should, Howen is my boyfriend, everybody, if for anybody who's listening, but he's always telling me like, oh, you should take what you do and, and teach in the corporate world. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll do that at some point. But, but, but I think it would be valuable because a lot of times if I listen to a TED talk and I love the, the expert in, in some field, science or business or whatever, and I'm like, oh God. This is really kind of dull, not what they're talking about, but, but again, they kind of, ah, they just kind of fall into this corporate speak or this corporate way of being. And what we really respond to is humanness, right? Like is storytelling. All of it is storytelling. And so I think if people would loosen up and, and 
connect more to the personal part of how they got to where they are, then we would really like listen and be moved because we're not moved just by the words. We're moved by the sort of the heart and the soul of what somebody is talking about. Well, I think that's why the the best performances, right, are that we're inspired by and that we talk about and that become iconic are those performances that that do bring this vulnerability to life. And mm-hmm. um, it really, you know, it, it creates more, it, it, you relate more emotionally, you re- relate more to the heart than to the head for it. And it's interesting how, and, and I also find like to your point about creativity, the most successful businesses these days are the ones that really lead creatively. And I see a lot of people wanting to get there, but similar to being like you're, you know, bringing your full self to the table, being vulnerable through your performance, um, you know, being honest and and inspiring, you know, just through just through who you are. There's just so many hurdles that that are you have to break through in order to get, I guess that um, that purity, you know, mm-hmm. of voice and of story, you know, out there. Well, I think these the these roles that we have to play in our our in the business world are also based on these structures that have been built for a long time, right? Like I started thinking about like our costumes that we have to wear, like, you know, maybe that's changing, but like it used to be everybody had, the guys had to wear a suit and tie. And like, you know, I think it's so fascinating when you unravel some of the rules, again, the rules. And also like you were saying about, I don't know, having feeling at your job. I think sometimes like people who are leaders of companies, Uh, have been taught like, oh, to be vulnerable or to show your feelings as weakness. And this is also a cultural thing, right? Like I'm also always talking to actors, especially male actors, maybe that vulnerability is weakness is the antithesis of vulnerability. Weakness is not being able to share how you feel or to express what's really going on or to say, oh, I was scared during the pandemic or climate collapse is something that I really worry about. So instead we put on this front and that's really the weakness, right? It's not being able to share our humanness. Our vulnerability is really, you know, paradoxically a point of power. And I have found like for me, when I've allowed myself to be vulnerable in situations that you don't think it's called for, it's actually the thing that liberates other people to also share. And it's it's such a communicative force, like it opens up areas of communication where I mean, previously people would project onto you ideas of who they think you are, you know, because we're all the same at the end of the day, regardless of any of the accoutrement that presents us to be somebody that we're not. I don't know. I always find that really interesting. Like I should be an anthropologist, maybe like, I don't know. I'm like really fascinated by like history and why we are who we are and, you know, trying to break those structures. Right. Like that, that I'm like a rule breaker, I guess. Yeah. I think it goes, I think that comes from like, we, I think we, we've all had to break some rules to get where we are. And, um, but positively, right? There's always been kind of, I think, always been for the purpose of a like a positive result, not a negative result. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. serving it up to for good and for you know, I always feel like my work is service. Like we are we are here to be in service. But I've gone through anarchy too. I've been an anarchist, like you know, at least in my own mind. Like I haven't like burnt buildings and like you know, you know that kind of stuff. But I do feel like 
being an artist is a form of anarchy. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're trying to also yeah. show to the establishment, like why, or, or you're revealing back to humanity what it really means to be human. And there is an uh, alchemy of anarchy in there, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's trying to break through the, the barriers, whatever those barriers are. Um, yeah. So that's what I find really passionate about being alive today, you know? Yeah. If you had to give three skills that people would practice, if you were to say, like, these three things, practice these three things on a daily basis to become, I guess, more comfortable in your skin, what, what are the three points of advice you give your students or, or just that people can kind of follow or start to practice daily? Wow, these are good. I, 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 don't, I don't ever prepare anything, so you're like, I love this, like just thinking in the moment, but I just wrote down three things really, I guess this is what my work is based on listening. It's all about listening, right? And real listening creates an honest and instinctual reaction inside us. And in terms of acting that can get us into trouble because it's very reactive, but that's kind of what makes the most exciting dynamic work. But listening also is the way into feelings. And then I guess that would lead me to the second point. Like we don't want to listen sometimes because listening brings up our vulnerability. And I think that that's the second point is I think to, to be successful and success is really just what a definition of doing what you want to do in a way that, is uplifting and inspiring, I think also is vulnerable because you're putting yourself out there in a way like, what is Brene, Brene Brown's definition of vulnerability that I use in, in acting, but it's also life. Like vulnerability is also simultaneously bravery because it's asking you to live in emotional uncertainty um, without knowing the outcome. And that's true about life itself. Nobody knows again, like how it's going to end. And so there's an innate vulnerability kind of happening as we walk our walk. So I just try to make people a little bit more aware of that and, and seeing that as a point of power. And then I think my third skill would be commitment. You just got to commit. You got to go for it. I love that. I think again, people are, yeah, people are risk averse because they're we're, they're more worried about failing. And I'm like, dude, we fail all the time. Like, I look trying to get this uh, podcast up and running this morning. I had so many failures on my end. Te technology was like, you know, just destroying me over here on my end. So, like, it's about just you just have to commit. You have to show up in some capacity, yeah. right? So, listening, vulnerability, and commitment. That's would what that would be my three skills. I love those three, and I think that's a really good way to to close because we could keep talking all day. Oh my god, it went um, so fast. Okay, I know exactly. Did I talk too much? Did you? I, I'm used to I'm used to running a podcast where I ask the guests all these <laughs> questions, <laughs> and I feel like I just like, oh god, you can edit me. No, no, no. I let. I think again that just just the whole idea of how do you bring more creativity and more multi-discipline disciplines you know like acting is kind of a an art form but also as a discipline um for me i'm always curious about finding those skills and those you know tips of the trade that i can bring into my daily business life and i think that's what i've always tried to do and that's a big part of success so i will personally implement more listening um 
vulnerability, vulnerability <laughs> and and commitment commitment through it yeah none of this yeah. is easy these days but no that's right um, and you got i think I and, not be, and not be scared you know what i mean at the end of the day like i feel like when i look at the things that i've accomplished like even if it doesn't work out there were th- there were more beneficial things that came in the going for it than not trying at all i agree and hindsight yeah. is 2020. 2020. Like looking back and looking at like all the hard times you think we're gonna that you were gonna fail, but Not what you learned from it. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you so Thanks. much for your time. Of course. This Thanks for having great. me. And um, we will have to continue this discussion further because I'm sure everyone wants to only hear and, and learn more. So thanks again for your time. Thanks for having me. 